Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focused Compounding Podcast, sitting alongside Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? It is going great, Andrew. How is it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else as well. Hey, if you are interested in learning more about our new fund that we are launching January 1st, 2020, or just our money management services in general, go to Invest With Us, uh, the Invest With Us page on our focuscompounding.com. You'll see the link up top. Uh, click Invest With Us. You will get all the information you would want to know about us or reach out at Invest at focusedcompounding.com. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up. We uh, obviously have been pumping out a ton of videos. I think it's a fun form of content for people if they like to see us actually talk about it. Uh, and then, of course, if you are watching on or listening on the podcast app or Spotify, uh, leave us a rating review that helps spread the word on the podcast. Uh, if you like the work we're doing and want to support Mr. Jeff and myself, that is the way to do it. So today we are going to be doing our five minutes on five different stocks. This is a very popular segment and one that we are going to probably do weekly now. I think yeah. our new schedule going forward for the podcast is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, so maybe we'll do this every Wednesday. And if individuals um, you know, want us to go over a stock... Okay. You can send it to me at, at Focus Compound on yeah, Twitter, we'll and maybe happens. maybe we'll pull it from there. We don't want to upset anybody if we don't like your stock. Um, but today, so the first one is going to be Miller Industries, ticker MLR. We are using quickfs.net, which is uh, just gives you a snapshot of uh, the company's financials. And they have a market cap of $413 million, um, currently trading about 11 times earnings. EV to sales is 0.5. Uh, again, we want to see uh, the EBIT margins be in the area of 5% for it to be cheap for us or kind of interesting. Do you want to explain that? Because we get a lot of questions uh, why we do that. Uh, about what the EBIT margin needs to be versus sales? Yeah, why we look at that. Okay, so just on a normalized basis, um, we would like to, so um, we, we want to see if it's sort of a normal price for a stock, and historically a normal price for a stock was about 10 times pre-tax earnings. Um, now it would be uh, higher than that. It could be closer to 12 times because uh, taxes are lower, corporate taxes in the U.S. are lower. So, you know, um, but the example would be, let's say uh, you were trading at, uh, the easiest way to do this is one-time sales. Uh, then you would want to see a 10% EBIT margin, or mm -hmm. you flip it around. If you have a 10% EBIT margin, you want one-time sales. Now, when we say that, what we really mean is either they can achieve it in the future, which is all we really care about, but since we don't know the company yet, we're using the past record to base on the future. What we generally don't want to see is uh, it's trading at a level that means that it's greater than um, 10 times pre-tax earnings based on any margins that they've ever had in the past. Yeah. So basically, they would need to have higher margins in the future than they've ever had in the past. That, uh, with a stock we're just getting to know, you know, that's not possible. I mean, mm -hmm. that we can't bet on that. We would have to know that the future is going to be a lot brighter than the past. And so usually we like to bet uh, that the future will be a lot like the past, at least when we do these five-minute things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, EV to free cash flow, 46 times. So figure about 2 to 3% free cash flow yield. 10-year yeah. uh, CAGR on revenue, 10%, going from $238 million in 2009 to $712 million in 2018. Um, EPS has grown by 25% per year over 
over a 10-year period compounded. Um, what else? We got uh, for median returns, return on equity, 10-year median returns, 9.2, return on vested capital, 12.1. Um, you know, and it looks like it's been rising in the past couple of years. Uh, we got uh, yeah. 16% last year, 12% the year before, but that's all been going up. Yeah, revenue. So do you know what this company does? Uh, Miller Industries, I think, does records. I think I said, uh, let's see. So I think that they make the uh, bodies basically for uh, trucks that are used to uh, pull to take away cars that have literally had wrecks and things like that, and also just to move cars that way. But like small time operators mm -hmm. would buy it from them, I think. So we got a beta of 0.96. We could read the business description. Um, they gauge in the manufacturing and sale of towing and recovery equipment. That's so exactly. Like records, yeah. yeah. Oh, it says yeah. Records. It offers yeah. records that are used to recover yeah. and tow. Disable vehicles and other equipment. If I remember right, I think they're by far the biggest. Could be wrong about that, but I think they're by far the biggest. At um, four hundred six million dollar market cap. Yeah, but the margins are pretty it's low and stuff. So the the uh, yeah the the sales are seven hundred million in sales, which I mean presumably these things last a long time. So if you think about that, that sounds like they could have a big market share. Um, so problems that I see right away: uh, price seems fine and uh, predictability seems okay. Uh, it looks like something you wouldn't lose a lot of money in. Uh, however, uh, in terms of the upside, I see some issues, which are that uh, the historical return on capital over the last 10 years looks mediocre. Uh, okay, but not great. So if you were buying it at less than book value, it would be attractive, but we can see the price to book, you're paying a premium. I don't know that you want to pay a premium for something that has like a 12% or so return on capital historically. And on top of that, it has cyclicality. You want to be extra careful with any company that has cyclicality because the way compounding works and stuff, uh, a less cyclical uh, return uh, on equity, uh, I'd be more comfortable. Like a 15% return equity that you have every single year, I'd be much more comfortable with than a 15% average in a very cyclical kind of thing. So on an asset basis, you know, it's a problem there. On a sales basis, it looks okay in terms of EBIT. You have a 5% historical EBIT margin, and then you have uh, an EV to sales of 0 0.5. That looks fine. The EV to EBITDA looks like eight times. You know, all that stuff looks fine. But as you said, they're not converting a lot of it to actual free cash flow. And if they're a very cyclical company, a problem could be that they have difficulty converting um, from uh, reported earnings to free cash flow. So on a reported earnings basis, I like it. Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm just worried that they're not actually converting in, into free cash flow. The price looks okay the, uh, versus reported earnings. So it's one that you could definitely add to a watch list or something. But to be honest, it's the kind of thing I think other value investors would like more than us because we put a premium on kind of things like return on capital and free cash flow. And to me, it looks like over a full cycle, return on capital may not be that great and free cash flow may not be that great. And so on a reported earnings basis, it'll look good. But we don't care about that. We care about cash. Got it. Okay, next ticker, M-A-T-X, Matson Inc. Um, it's got a $1.6 billion market cap, currently trading 18 times earnings. EBIT sales, 1.1. 10-year um, median margins for EBIT, about 6.1. Let's see what it's been a little bit more so recently. Looks like it's in the 6 uh, area. 10-year um, CAGR on revenue, about 1.7% from 2009 to 2018. Uh, 2009, they had $1.3 billion in sales, and in 2018, about $2.2 billion. Um, return on equity, 16% uh, is the median return. Return on investment capital, 7.4. Um, and then EV to free cash flow here sh is showing a negative 25 times. So this is a transportation, it's the industry I'm looking at says transportation. Uh, the, Let's see what they do. It's got a business description. Okay. So uh, 1.59 beta, so probably something that we wouldn't be interested in. Yeah, and that's probably due to and it's a larger company. cyclicality. Yeah. Uh, provides ocean transportation and logistics services. 
not an area I know a lot about. Uh, in terms of the results that I just saw over the 10-year results, it's extremely cyclical, which makes it difficult for us um, to know what the returns would be. We tend to like very non-cyclical companies. Um, and uh, I think I may have looked at this company once if it was a spinoff or something. If you go, you go down to the bottom of that business description, uh, it says it was founded in 1882 and is headquartered in Hawaii. So, oh, there it is. It was part of, oh, it is Alexander and Baldwin. So I knew Alexander and Baldwin. So I don't know this company in its current form, but I did look at that company 10 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something, it's, it's very cyclical and something that I don't know well enough. Um, I don't know that we'd ever buy a shipping company or something like that if that's what it does. Mm -hmm. um, you can look, we're looking at a graph right now of the return on investment capital and it's all over the place. Um, that makes it difficult uh, to buy um, unless you're getting at like a really poor point in the cycle or something. Uh, even if we just look on the return on equity, um, Return on invested capital doesn't look that great. Return on equity when uses some leverage is okay. But this is the kind of thing, I mean, maybe if someone was like talking about it less than price to book of one or something, or I knew it was the bottom of the cycle, then we might look at it. I mean, it's not something that we would ever own. But if other people were asking me, should I look at it? I would say like, it's the kind of stock that you'd want to look at at a really bad point in the cycle for the, for the industry. Yeah. Got it. Okay, let's see. Next stock, Badger Daylighting. Uh, ticker BADFF. Uh, it trades over the counter. Uh, this is a company that operates or trades in also Canada as yeah, well. This uh, is just, I think, the US version right. of it. Uh, market cap 944 million, currently trading about 19 times earnings, EV to EBITDA about nine, uh, EV to free cash flow 33 times. Um, let's see, 10 year CAGR on revenue is. Uh, Pretty good, 14% going from 128 million in revenue in 2009 to 458 in 2018. Um, uh, let's see, e EV to sales is two. Uh, we get an EV, I'm sorry, 10 year median margins on an EBIT of about 17%. Um, return on equity, very high, 25% is the median return for the past 10 years. Uh, so this looks like a very high returning business. 10 year CAGR on free cash flow, 59%. Um, you know, and everything looks pretty predictable. Pretty much from a snapshot, this looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so the so from what I'm seeing here, it looks like um, it has grown a lot, uh, and has grown a lot in the last few years too. It has very good numbers on a reported earnings basis. From this that we're looking at, we don't know about the free cash flow. Now, that could be justifiable. The free cash flow looks very low. Are you saying, like, what do you mean? <clears throat> you the free saying? cash flow margin looks incredibly low yeah. compared to the EBIT margin. So what I'm looking at here is, like, an EBIT margin, 17% median EBIT margin, mm -hmm. and then a free cash flow margin of 4%. But that's fully justified if you're reinvesting everything in further earnings. So, like, if your receivables and stuff are going up all the time, uh, or this is a service company, so probably not inventory, but say it was a retailer or something, it would be inventory. But receivables might be going up all the time. You might have to be investing in property, plan, and equipment. Um, that would be totally justifiable if you're investing all of that, and that's why you don't have much free cash flow. There could be other reasons why you don't have much free cash flow. But uh, certainly it looks good on that basis. The, uh, without knowing more about the business, it is standing out to me that that's a very low gross profit for something that's calling itself a service company. That's incredibly assuming low. Assuming this is actually a service company. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it says professional, scientific, and what is it? It's an industry group. Let's look it up. Um, Pulling out the Bloomberg. Badger Daylighting. Let's see. Beta of 1.17. Which is high for us. Yeah. Um, provides non-destructive excavating and related services in Canada and the United States. 
It uses a pressurized water stream to liquefy the soil cover, which is then removed with a vacuum system and deposited into a storage tank. Conduits, cables. The company offers daylighting services for visual confirmation of buried lines, directional drilling, test holes, um, pipeline and utility crossings, subsurface utility engineering test right. holes. And yeah, and it does utility. Customers are utility, oil and gas, aggregate. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know the breakdown of those. So it would, I mean, that's obviously important uh, if the breakdown is that it's uh, a lot of, you know, some industry that's big right now. Mm-hmm. But if it's mixed across them, like a lot of utilities or something, then it would be attractive. Um, based on the numbers, uh, the price is maybe a little high unless we know about the business, but it's the kind of thing that everything about it looks like it could have, uh, it could have good economics. And so looking at it from a business perspective, it's a business I would want to learn a lot more about from the numbers here. We cannot tell if it's cheap, but I also can't tell if it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know about the free cash flow conversion that could be caused just by being a very fast growing company, which is totally fine. If you're growing really fast and profitably, I don't mind if you're not producing much free cash flow. So, um, T- tends to be, you know, um, the the Kager here or something is like fourteen percent, ten percent, ten to fifteen percent growth in things like revenue and, and EPS and assets. That's high for us. That's a that's a real growthy company, which doesn't mean that we wouldn't buy it if the price is low enough. But this is probably more of a growth company than we would normally buy. But if I could learn about it and see that it's predictable and the industries that it serves are are um, not like cyclically in some sort of a boom or something, then I'd be interested in it. This is a company I want to learn a lot. Now, about. why wouldn't you want to own a growth company? Explain your thoughts on that. A lot of people are like, well, growth, growth, growth kind of, and you, and you just said that we don't, maybe this is one that we would buy, but you kind of put it in the light of, we don't like growth companies. So can you explain yeah. that? Yeah. So we don't like growth stocks for two reasons. Generally one, they are expensive. So the handicapping aspect of it means that you have to be more right about a growth company than a value company. Meaning That's the future. Yeah. Growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then second is that growth companies tend to attract competition in the areas that they grow in. So it's not, I think people often just think that growth companies, their risk is that they're higher priced than value. That's not the only issue. The issue is that growth companies tend to have returns on equity and things like that, that will actually go down. Whereas value companies ha- tend to have returns on equity and things that will go up. Because when we talk about entry and exit in an industry, if you're in an industry that people like, more companies will go into that. If you're in an industry that everyone hates, more companies will leave it. Um, and so you generally want industries where a lot of people are leaving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've talked before or something, I mean, I've talked a little bit about it, but people ask like, why do I like the lime industry in the U S or cement or something? Frankly, I think that in 10, 20, 30 years, there'll be fewer plants. We're talking about like lemons and limes and stuff <laughs> yeah, like lemons that. Lemons and limes. Yeah. But quarries. So I think lime rock. The, yeah. Lime rock. Yeah. I think there'll be fewer of them. So I think if, if I ever see an industry where I think, oh, demand will be the same in 30 years and there'll be fewer people in the industry. Consolidation. That's stuff. what I want to be in. Same thing with like when Buffett started buying all the airlines and stuff. Well, once there were, it stopped being that you constantly had new airlines entering and everything, it becomes more attractive. So that's the only concern is that when there's an industry that looks hot, I know that interests people. But what I worry about is competition. My biggest fear always with any stock that we talk about is competition. I always think that most companies will be undone by competitive pressure, not that they'll be undone by uh, anything else, poor execution, by secular trends in different industries and things. I really think that it will be too many other companies like you will try to do the same thing that you're doing. That's always the big risk in capitalism. So that's always the thing I'm worried about. Got it. All right, next company, Equitable Group Inc., ticker EQG. PF Equitable Group. Uh, looks like this is a bank, $1.4 billion market cap, trades over the counter, <sighs> trading at a PE of about 11. Um, let's see. So net income, 
net interest income, 17% uh, CAGR over the past 10 years. Gross loans has grown about 71% over the past 10 years. Earnings assets, 36%. Deposits, uh, 13%. Revenue, or I guess you could say net interest income, has gone from $69 million in 2009 to $259 million in 2018. Um, and EPS growth has also been uh, quite well. Uh, the uh, 10-year return on equity number is at 16%. Uh, so this is a bank. Have you ever come across this uh, company before? So a couple of things. One, I have not come across the company, don't know it. I'm going to take a wild prediction here and say this is not really a bank. It may say it's a bank, but I'm looking at some numbers here which make me think yeah, not a bank. Like so I don't think that a bank in the U.S. is levered 20 to 1. <laughs> I don't think that its loan to deposits rate is well over 100%. It could be. Its return assets is low. It looks something more like leasing or some sort of thing that, that is just, uh, it says it's a bank. Provides right? various financial services to retail and commercial customers in Canada. The company accepts term deposits and guaranteed investment certificates, high interest savings amounts, tax-free savings accounts, and institutional deposit notes. Its loan products include residential mortgages, home equity and cash surrender value lines of credit, mortgages on commercial properties and comprising mixed use, multi-residential properties, retail spaces, office condominiums, et cetera, et cetera. No. This was a no. Uh, I mean, it, I'm, some people might own this stock. I'm sorry if I said that. Uh, there were several words in there I didn't like. Like what? It sound, uh, it's, <laughs> High yield loans or it's what? Canada, which is not where I want to be buying a bank, first of all. We um, love you, Canada. Don't hate us. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to be buying a bank right now. Um, and, uh, and secondly... It, it, it seems like it's, it has high cost deposits. And I don't know that, but a high cost of, source of funding. And we've talked, like we did a whole podcast about banks. Yeah. And my big thing is having a very, very low all-in cost of funding. That's also my thing for, for insurers too. I really am worried about anything that has a high cost of funding. I think that you can do fairly um, not you can do a few dumb things and you can be not particularly smart or aggressive on the lending side, the asset side of what you do, as long as you have very, very low cost, stable funding. And so the only financial institutions I want to be involved with have low cost and, and stable uh, funding and then they can buy just about any asset and they'll do okay in it. I don't want to be in something that has to be, um, that's making its money on the asset side while having fairly expensive way of funding itself. So yeah. we didn't look into the stock. It could be misrepresented on QuickFS and in that business description. But if you wanted in 30 seconds to explain a financial institution to me that I would say pass on, that was it. <laughs> You're about <running> in Canada? <laughs> I've never been to Canada. Yeah, well, good. You're not allowed there anymore. <laughs> okay. Last ticker for the day, Game Host Inc. Ticker G-H-I-F-F. -F, market oh, cap. Where's this one located? 149 million. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Canadian stock. PE, 13 times earnings. EV to sales, 2.9. They have a 10-year median margin on EBIT of about 37%. 10-year uh, CAGR on revenue, 1.9%, going from $46 million in 2009 to $52 million in 2018. 10-year uh, median returns for return on equity, 15%. 10-year uh, CAGR on free cash flow, uh, about 5.5%. It's currently trading about 10 times EV to free cash flow. Uh, business looks somewhat predictable. I mean, gross margins look very predictable. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thoughts? Uh, well, I know what this company does. So you cheated. I cheated. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, casinos in Alberta. Yep. Yeah. So what we didn't explain there is that the revenue uh, had gone up by about 1.5 times in about five years, and then they had come back down, uh, dropping about 35% or whatever it is that that 
brings it back to flat for about a 10-year period. Uh, and that's because of the boom, presumably, that happened in Alberta. And we talked a little bit about this. Uh, not on this podcast. Andrew and I talked about it. Um, we both cheated. <laughs> uh, and... Um, Basically, uh, there was a boom in, for, for things like uh, oil. Basically, I mean, there was a boom in oil, but for everything connected to that. And I know some companies that were, have talked about uh, what kind of boom that they saw there for labor and for wages and things like that. And, uh, and some of those people could be uh, customers that would spend a lot of money at these places. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, presumably, I think they, to be honest, I think they were men, young men from other parts of Canada and other places who went there and who made a lot of money briefly, um, just like happens in certain parts of Texas and stuff occasionally or in uh, certain parts of the uh, U.S. Um, and uh, that would really help your uh, gambling business for a while and then it would, it would come down. And that seems to have been what happened. Uh, the returns look really good in the years in which we know there wasn't a boom in Alberta. So if we look at like 2015 to today, certainly, you know, right after like 2013, 2014, mm -hmm. I don't know the exact point at which it, it bottomed out there. And it also depends on when their financial reporting period is, but, uh, it still looks like pretty good. Um, this is always a regulatory thing. So I would have to know that they're not going to open other casinos around them and things like that. And we talked about that when we looked at, um, bucks. Butler, yep. Butler, Butler International? Or? Butler National, but, yeah. Yeah, Butler National. Which operates the Boot Hill Casino. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's the Kansas Lottery or whatever. Yeah, it, right. it decides on that. And they, they segment the state into, I think, four quadrants and then decide on like what how much gambling there should be in each place. Um, same as here with this one. It's realistically, this is not... Um, Again, I'm going to get in trouble with Canadians here. Realistically, these are not destinations. Uh, people are not going to go to these places in Alberta to gamble. Well, it's, I mean, if they're, they're able to... from the local area. But that's probably good now, isn't away. it? No, no, that's good. I yeah, like that. I'm okay. saying that it's not Las Vegas. I was going to say, I would like that, probably. Yes. If you're thinking about like the predictability. No, 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 I, I like that better as a casino. That's not Las Vegas. But I'm just telling people this is Macau or Las Vegas. Bit. Okay. <laughs> this is not Macau or Las Vegas here that we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about things more similar, not as extreme, I think, but more similar to the Boot Hill Casino, yeah. Yeah, to being in some place in rural Kansas. Uh, this isn't quite that extreme because I think we've seen a map where some of the casinos are in bigger places. Mm -hmm. But still, Alberta is not... Um, it's not sort of the big metro center of Canada. Yeah. It's not, yeah, that's not the side of Canada. that ha it, That's not the New York of Canada. So if you want to look at um, promotional management, <laughs> okay. we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like an actual example mm -hmm. of it, I read their investor presentation, I think from 2013 and then 2018. Yeah. And when I read it in the 2013 one, I was like, holy cow, this is the most promotional investor presentation I've ever read of a company. Mm -hmm. A, and pub I said, a public company. And yeah. then I was like, okay, well, actually, this is 2013. Let's see what it looks like now. Yeah. And then I read 2018. I'm like, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So if you ever want to um, see what uh, we think a pro promotional presentation looks like from management to the point of probably getting scared away, um, go look up this company, Game Host. Maybe that'll be a good uh, exercise for a lot of people. Yeah. And I wasn't scared. And I should say, I wasn't scared away by that. Um, I, that makes it harder. Uh, always, if yeah. management is more trying to pitch you on the idea of a second, and it was it, it came across much more of a pitch. I mean, when a slide it's says like ad, yeah. why you should own why Game Host Inc yeah. should be in your portfolio, I mean, which yeah, I mean that's what investor relations job is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. marketing and stuff but like that. Yes, and to some extent, 
again, not to offend Canadians, to some extent, the United States compared to some other countries it, it sometimes has a little extra conservatism in certain uh, representations made to investors that yeah. I think compared to some other things. So okay, like if you read, a, especially if you read the US 10K, there's some stuff in there that's like, why not to invest in us? And they can go a little yeah. overboard with that. Um, I've read more in other countries that are more like what this uh, investor presentation was like. But, uh, but I still think the business is interesting. The asset is interesting. And so it's definitely something that I would look at. But I'm at a huge disadvantage as an American. Um, people in that part of Canada and people who understand politics and things in Canada would have a better idea of regulatory stuff, of the risks of whether they ever would put casinos near them and stuff. And they talked about things that have been denied permission for a casino. What, what, uh, gambling is a terrific business if you can keep other people out of it nearby sure, you. Yeah. But if there's too many casinos around, then it goes away. Sure. And, and these are always based on their... Uh, EV to EBITDA and stuff that they have now. It doesn't look expensive, obviously, at all for a casino. And if it will recover at some point, if, you know, that that economy, local economy, will do even better, then it looks really cheap. So, I mean, just looking at the numbers, to be honest, for a casino, and for a casino that might be in a region that is um, economically not at top right now, looks cheaper than most. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you were looking for a casino, I guess you should look at the stock. So, what out of all the five that we looked at today, which one would you, would you be most interested to learn more about? Hmm. Let's go over the five again. What five? Okay, so we got Miller Industries, Matson, Badger Daylighting, Equitable Group, which you said no way, and Game Host. Uh, Game Host and Badger Daylighting. There you go. All righty. I want to thank everybody. So both? Not a recommendation on either one. Let's say both Canadian <laughs> companies. Yeah. After I said all that, not a recommendation on either one. The business. Yeah. The business of Learn both about interests it. me. I don't know about the management of the organization. The business of both interests me. Learn yeah. more about it. Got it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with Mr. Jeff and myself. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up, leave us a rating review on the podcast side of things. Canadians, I promise we love you. We'll see you in the next podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along.